You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Set for Heineke on third down. Four-man rush. Heineke hit as he throws. It is ripped away by Devondre Campbell. And he's got plenty of green grass in front of him. Devondre Campbell picks six, Green Bay. Back to the pick. Yeah, everybody's covered. There's J.D. McKissick. There's Devondre Campbell. Watch him play this. It, it's going to be a little in and out. You're going to press inside like you're crossing. Bounce out. Reads it well. Eyes on the quarterback. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. Not just J.D. McKissick. Everybody was covered up in play. We talked about All right. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And you can text the show at 865-658-5824. We got a special guest on tonight, Mr. Jake Shavink from It's Always Draft Season podcast here on the Packernet Podcast Network. This guy right here is the one I go to when I have draft questions, basically. Jake, how you been doing, buddy? Pretty good. Uh, I've been kind of taking a, a little bit of a hiatus uh, this summer so far, but have started to, because we're going to start on the pod obviously very soon here, starting to compile a lot of notes on a lot of these guys for 2024. So there's going to be a lot, I think, that we're going to get to today. And I'm excited to get going on a lot of these guys uh, all summer long leading up to the season. So it's a yeah, pleasure to be on. Once again. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you jumping on for sure, man. Um, I don't know. This time of year gets exciting. It seems like July is the college football month for me. That's when I really start thinking about college football. You know, you got camps kind of kind of starting to roll in. You just had a SEC media days down here. And, of course, you know, the summer's still putting along, but I'm kind of looking looking towards to the fall, you know, and, uh, and getting excited about that. I don't know if you can see this or not, Jake, but, dude, I've got an ear. Look at this right here. This ear looks normal, right? Yeah. This one here, bro, I got into a hornet's nest yesterday. Ooh. They oh, lit me up, dude. And I'm telling you, I, I, I literally went to bed that night. Thinking, oh, it ain't that bad. And I woke up, I woke up literally the next morning. This is what I seen in the. Yeah, I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> Bro, that was it. I was like, what? My wife literally, she said, you look like that Andrew guy on NFL Network. Andrew Siciliano. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, that's been my life for the last oh, two no. days. And, she was like, you want me to put some mustard on it or get some tobacco? I'm like, no, I just need to talk college football with Jake. That's all I need all right. today, man. That's it. We're ready yeah. to roll. So There we go. Dude, let's jump into it. I guess the best way to kind of kick this thing off, guys, we're going to look at it uh, somewhat through the eyes of the uh, of the scouting de- uh, department of the Green Bay Packers. You know, and what, what I mean by that is, you know, there's a ton of different ways we can we can go about doing a college football preview. But the thing that comes to mind for me, Jake, is, okay, what are the biggest need for the Packers? What what can we kind of project and say, okay, who isn't under contract, uh, you know, after this year? What are some kind of uh, some, some I don't know, some eyesores in the roster, if you will? And, of course, all that could change throughout this season. So, guys, please understand, we're, we're kind of trying to project and go, okay, 
if this if this scenario unfolds, we may go this route in the draft. If this scenario unfolds, we may go a different route, right? So I'm just going to kind of list off my needs by position of uh, of importance, if you will. And, you know, I've got four positions that I consider tier one positions, Jake, and that's quarterback, left tackle, defensive tackle, and edge. You know, it, it seems like more, more and more people are looking for that three-tech, right, to get to, to really push the pocket. And especially since Philly bullied they, – they spread the field last year and just bullied, bullied people on the line. Um, you, you're kind of looking for that guy in the middle to handle that. Now, when, when you look at those tier one positions – Quarterback to me is a question mark, right? I mean, Jordan Love may come out this year and go, nope, we've got it. We're good, right? Um, but I think uh, – I don't think Goody's going into this year going, no, we're good at quarterback. I guarantee you he's he's keeping an eye on how that thing unfolds too, right? Oh, for sure. I, I don't think – even even as, even as for those who are maybe confident in what Jordan Love can do, and I, I would still say I'm in that boat, just knowing what you've seen, these ceiling plays that he had at Utah State, some of the Philly game, right – but again, you can't, you can never be sure. And, and things can come crumbling down. There, there were things that, that loved struggled with uh, in, in, in college that, you know, we'll have to see. This is, this is the evaluation year. And there's been a lot put into the receiving core at tight ends. Now the last two drafts to, to kind of see what we have here in, in, in Jordan love. So, yeah, I, I don't think Goody, even though obviously this is like the quarterback he drafted, right? This is his, his guy he's drafted that, that he is, fully committed even with adding a year on that contract there is still plenty of evaluation to go through uh, this yeah. season and, and it really it's it's hard to talk about and rdc in the chat says afternoon gentlemen hey we appreciate you dropping in man it, it's it's hard for me to even fathom okay what if love doesn't pan out you know i i want want the dude to pan out so bad and he's homegrown and you want it to kind of solidify the floor um, and, and obviously Goody as well, but there is a scenario. Unfortunately, we got to talk about it. There is a scenario that if Love does struggle and the team struggles, you know, Mark Murphy's tenure is coming up here in 2025. You know, that's that's kind of a, you know, with Love having a two-year contract now, they may say, all right, let's just roll, let's roll through one more year. And when Mark Murphy steps out, just like Mark Murphy when he came in, you know, kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, it, it just seemed like everything kind of shifted, you know. Um, it was right around the time that, that Brett left, obviously. So yeah. it just, a lot of things can change, you know, with the changing of the guard, the other, one of the other positions of, of importance there at tier one left tackle, obviously Bakhtiari is on the roster next year, but at a $40.4 million cap hit. Now I think we would all agree. He's not going to play for 40.4 million. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're not going to show that out. Um, now there is about $20 million um, as far as room for uh, restructure when it comes to base salary and uh, and roster bonus as well, if we wanted to kick the can down the road and keep Bach, if he does come out as an elite tackle, I personally don't see that happening as well. I kind of see it being almost like the Aaron Jones situation, like, hey, we can do a restructure and put more money in your pocket, but also you're going to have to take a little bit of a hit too, right? Um, that's the only way I see Bach bats. So with that being said, I think Goody's, you know, it being a premier position as well, left tackle, offensive tackle in general, they're they're combing through the draft, right? Yeah, I don't think they should be sold uh, at tackle at all uh, at this point. I know there's still obviously I, I think we're going to get a great year, a great look at Zach Tom this year, hopefully. Um, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy and we, we get that evaluation year from him. I think he's looked he's looked really good in some spurts at, at tackle when he's had to play there. I think he just doesn't have the mass to play inside unless right. he's going to play center 
which right. that's a whole other conversation about the, <laughs> just the, the branches that you can take the offensive line conversation to. But if, if you look at him and you look at if he has a decent year and he plays well enough, you go, okay, well, he's maybe going to get one of those spots. I know um, Ryan has talked about potentially Elton Jenkins. You know, he's, he's talked about that on the podcast about him maybe moving to tackle. That's still obviously a possibility as well. But I just think that with how important the position is, and, and if you look at like Jordan Love is showing you promise and stuff, it's like, all right, we've got a lot of weapons here, right? We don't need to do this early, right? Yeah. The, the, the one question is going to be with some guys, you know, approaching free agency, other guys they are teetering on like, is this guy going to be a long-term cornerstone or not? Tackle has to be uh, at the top of the list, I think, as well next year, just because, again, they didn't draft one this year. Very, very strange because they usually at least dip their toes in a little bit. Right, yeah. So. Yeah, and it, 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 like Andy Herman pointed out on the pod the other day when he was a guest on here, he I think he said they have 12 offensive linemen that have uh, basically made made the roster at some point or another. So there's a, there, there seems to be a little bit of depth there, but at the same time, it, it's very odd that you don't take a tackle in the draft. I'm with you. It was I, I was that's probably the thing that I was most surprised about after the draft is like, well, wow, they didn't take one swing. What does that say? They're confident in this offensive line. I think it definitely means they they 100 believe Bach and Elton are going to be back to 100 you know health, which is a good thing. But um, all right, next position, defensive tackle. Some people are going, what are you talking about? We got Devontae White and Kenny Clark. Um, me personally, I feel like Kenny has kind of underperformed. And I love Kenny. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a great dude. I hope he bounces back this year. But when you're talking about paying someone, you know, you know, uh, over $20 million in cap hit, you want them to be a dominant player there in the middle for sure. Um, am, am I being too – I don't know. Am I being too hard on Kenny Clark, man? Or do you kind of get the same vibe that you feel like he's not performed up to task? Yeah, last year was was not very good. Um, I I just think that he's he's been tasked with a lot of things um, throughout his tenure, and that definitely can wear on you, uh, especially when you've been like the guy, right? When you him and Mike Daniels really right. good combo early in his career. But he's just really had to carry such a load since Daniels has left. And they've just kind of tried to retread some vets through there, right? They've drafted a few guys. Like, you know, all the way, if you go back to Montrevious Adams being a third-round pick, like that did not pan out at all. Like there is, you know, I just think that they're looking for that other guy. And so Kenny's had to play some nose, right? He's had to be one-tech. He's had, you know, three-tech. He's all over the place trying to make plays. And it's like if he could, if they could find a spot for him, I think, I think you'd you'd see and, and also find a running way for him. I think you'd see the pressure come off the shoulders a little bit. He'd play a little bit yeah. freer. I think he's just there's a potential that he's just thinking about way too much yeah, because he right. thinks he right. has to do way too much. Yeah. Right. And I think that could be definitely part of it. But yeah, I, I think there is definitely a question mark with him. Like you you'd have to see the bounce back this year. Uh you want to see the year two jump from Wyatt. I think I I if I were to bet on it, I think we're going to see that at least pass rushing wise. Yeah. But then there's the other part of the, the equation of the defensive line where you just, you know, if you're going to play a lot of five men, like where's that guy who could take on a couple guys? Like, is it going to yeah. be TJ Slayton? I, I don't know how much I'd put in a day three pick to make that happen. That's why I think a lot, I, including myself, I think down the stretch, we're like, you know, Mozzie Smith, you know, if he's kind of there in the second round, right. <laughs> I wouldn't hate the idea of that Michigan player. The Packers have been interested in Michigan guys, right? Younger guy, extremely good athlete, right? And, and strong. 
for the middle of defense. It was like, okay, that, that worked, but yeah, not, not doing much there either. It was like, okay, well, like this is kind of going to be an interesting year for defensive tackle because yeah. like I said, there are a lot of question marks. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, Edge, I feel I feel pretty good about the edge room. You know, obviously Rashawn Gary, once he gets back healthy, you got Preston Smith, and then of course Lucas Van Ness, which I think we all have high hopes for. I'm excited to see what he can do, and, and I think there will be some interior rotation there, especially on uh, passing downs. You know, when they bring in those sub packages, I think he will play on the interior a bit once uh, once Gary's healthy for sure. Um, the tier two positions of importance, I'm just going to rattle them off real quick, and then we'll jump right into some prospects. Um, safety. Obviously, you got Ford and Savage are kind of the projected starters. You also bring in Owens and Moore. All of these guys, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if none of them are on the roster next year. I really wouldn't. So safety, once again, Jake, here we are. Safety is a position that goes, all right, yeah, we're definitely going to be drafting a safety early, right? <laughs> and then you got uh, middle linebacker, of course. I think that checks out pretty good. you got Devondre Campbell coming back next year. Um, Quay, hopefully he can uh, play a little more schematically sound. Uh, we've seen all of the athleticism. We've seen all that talent. Um, and then center is another tier two position of importance for me. Josh Myers, I think he's really – this is a make or break year. He's really got to step up. And then, of course, wide receiver, I've gotten that tier two position of importance. And I think we're I think we're pretty good, but we know they'll take a swing if the right one's there in the second round, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they will. I, I would I, – there's a sneaky – I'm sneaky suspicion that corner is – I mean, if the right player's there in right. the first that Goody would not hesitate just depending on how this year goes because I think it, it, there's a very like to me house of cards feel to the cornerback room right now where it's like all right well if Nixon's taking the slot role like is he going to be able to like is is he going to you know have the year that everybody wants him to have playing that position like you know Stokes we don't know much of anything right now even, even sitting here you know what F seven, eight Sundays away. Like we don't know much. And I just think like Rasul, how long is he going to be here? You know, he signed that three-year deal. We're in year two of that, right? I believe of, of that mm -hmm. three-year deal now. And it's like, okay, so. well, you know, by year three, are we still going to have the kind of the gambler playing the position? Is he going to move to safety? There, there's so many questions I think with that. And so I wouldn't be shocked either if that's, you know, by end of season, the people are like, all right, well, you know, we'll, we'll get to the names maybe, but like, <laughs> Oh, there's a certain guy like I, you know, first round. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in him. Like, you know, yeah, you can never rule out corner. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, especially with the way uh, Goody and these guys draft. Um, let's see. Let's just go to the chat real quick here, and then we'll jump right into the prospects. Uh, Mr. Green said, "Hopefully Jenkins doesn't have to play a tackle this season." Completely ideal, agree. Yeah. I, I would love to see, it, you know. Whether it's Tom or really, to me, this is what hurts. And and I don't want to get into a big offensive line talk here, but. I want Tom to start at right tackle, but at the same time, it's like you want the least amount of moving parts as possible when you have an injury, and you kind of want Tom to be that guy on the bench because he can fill so many spots, you know, in a pinch. Um, of course, uh, Packernet in the house here says, uh, I, I'm, I know I'm going to yes. butcher half of these names. Yes. Jerzon Newton. Is that is that it? Jerzon? Yeah, Jerzon. Yeah. I've got him as my third best defensive tackle. Uh, only behind Mason Smith and Michael Hall Jr. And uh, and and I don't know. I'm not very familiar with the body types at this point. We're going to get into it here in a second. But yes, I agree with that too. And you lit up just now, Jake. Oh man, <laughs> I cannot wait. Talk about him real quick. You want to talk, talk about, about him? him? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just he 
is the type of player that like I know and and I know Ryan's talked about him on the pod a little bit too. Like, I mean, he had 55 pressures last year. Did <laughs> like he really? That, he did. <laughs> he had 55 <laughs> pressures last year. Okay. So and he's 6295. So this is like, you know, if I think the scenario for him is, you know, becoming a Packer is, you know, ah, uh, Kenny, this is year two in a row. And, and maybe why it hasn't shown enough. And they're just like, all right, well, this this room still needs juice. And Newton can provide the juice. And he is he is a powerful son of a gun as well. I am I I will be clamoring uh for him to be, I think, at the top of defensive tackle rankings, I'll be honest, to start the season. Again, we never know where it could go from there. But with a guy who just feels just naturally athletic and explosive like him. Uh, who's played a little bit all over the line? He's played some, you know, they'll they'll call it they'll call it end in their scheme, right? Obviously, if they get five guys down on the line, uh, and he'll play end. Um, he's played on both sides. He'll shade the nose, like he he reminds me of what like Wisconsin did a lot with Keanu Benton, where they can move him around and he's explosive and powerful enough to just kind of attack from wherever. Uh, I am going to be thrilled. He's going to have to anchor that defense this year for sure. Uh, they lost guys on the back end. It's going to be up to him to maybe generate 50 to 60 pressures again this year at Illinois. And wow. I, I think he can do that. Yeah. And, I mean, what you were saying there was versatility and we know they love versatility in their defensive line. We were just talking about with Kenny, you know, moving all over the place here and there. So yep. uh, yeah, good stuff. All right. DJ key in the chat says good evening. And then let's see here. Uh, oh. Okay. Somebody's already asking about a, about a camp quarterback here. Hi, bro. Ryan says, who is Alex Magoo? <laughs> <laughs> quarterback the Packers just signed yesterday. Um, I think he's a camp arm. That's what I think yeah, he is. Probably. <laughs> and yeah. then, of course, you, you've seen Ryan's reaction there. He's fired yes. up um, over the uh, Absolutely. the talk there with uh, – is it Jerzon? Is that how you say it? Am I believe I so, yes. Okay. I believe so. I know we're all going to be ironing out how to pronounce will, these names. So. Yeah, I'll be, asking, I'll be asking my Illinois guy in the before fall starts. I'll ask him to double check because he's to, this uh, one down there. So. Yeah, just to just to say, I've also got as a cross reference here Phil Steele's college football preview, and he's got uh, Newton out of Illinois as the number two defensive tackle prospect. So even higher than I had him on my list. So um, yeah. that's exciting, man. I, and, and the whole purpose of this, guys, and for those of you listening on the pod, write these names down, man. You know, if you're not a big college football person, but you find yourself sitting there on Saturday going, I don't know who to watch. You know, put some of these key key guys down here and, and and go take a look, right? Look for Illinois. Look for some of these these bigger. I know a lot of people are going to have their eyes on USC this year, and let's just jump right into that, man. Um, yeah, let's 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 play. I don't know if devil's advocate's the right term. Um, let's let's just let's play negative Nancy here in a minute. Let's assume <laughs> okay. everything goes south, and we're you know we're within the ballpark where we can trade up package the deal together and go after the number one pick. Right. And we're in a position where we go, okay, love isn't the guy. I don't even want to think about it. Cause I, I just love everything. I, about Jordan it's fair. Love, man. I really it's do. Fair. But if that's the case, I mean, it's, it's hands down. It's Caleb, right? It's Caleb Williams out of USC. I don't know if it's completely uh -oh, stamped. Um, I think that if you're moving up, you can move up for either at this point. Now, Drake May, I think, from North Carolina has only had one year of this. We've seen two years of Caleb Williams do just absolutely nonsensical things with a football in his hand. Um, but if Drake May, with how precise he looks as a passer, 
just with touch and the kind of he he plays with that same pocket feel. I don't think he's out of the question to go number one either. Uh, I think both right now for me, as I've now I've gone through uh, what I think I, I have to check. Hold on. Give me one second. I've done, I think, 11 or 12 of Caleb Williams games charted, oh, which nice. for the pod, for the pod, the little preview there, a little taste. Yeah, 12 of his charted games that I have a couple of Mays that I'm doing right now. Mays charting is really good, like with, with ball placement. It's impressive. Nice. But again, Caleb Williams, all Caleb Williams really has to show people this year is <laughs> can I can I find stuff over the – can I locate guys over the middle of the field? I think the vision over the middle of the field is a little bit of a struggle for him at times. Uh that's probably something that people do not want to hear after a year of Rogers kind of missing a lot of the middle of the field. Right. But <laughs> Caleb Williams, just with arm angles, with just utterly ridiculous scrambling ability, he gets out of the same type of sticky situations that I think you would say that Bryce Young got out of a lot at Bama. Um, he's a little bit bigger, obviously. He's he's 215 pounds, so he's he's got the ability to kind of shrug off some some of those. Uh, but the scrambling ability is there. You can you can he can be part of your run game. But yes, there are just off script, off platform, rolling to his right, throwing heaters on the money. He's there's a throw against um against Utah in the Pac-12 title game where he leaves his feet, uh, like rolling to his right. He just left his feet and just absolutely hurls on about 43 yards down the field. Oh, uh, against Arizona State, there's a play where he he jumps in the air. And then let's go of the ball for like a 15 yard pass outside the numbers needed to be over a defender. Just like there's just utterly stupid things that, that Williams <laughs> does on film. There's then the, and his best ones probably against Texas when he was at Oklahoma where he, you know, he comes in in relief, you know, we're going to have to, we have to get a spark. We got to come back this game and he, he does it. Um, it's just, he, he is escaping the pocket. And this is what I love about him as well. He doesn't all, he's not like run first run first is not half. It's not a requisite for him. He's still scanning and looking to make a play before he's before he runs. And he just steps up and fires something about, I don't know, 60 yards in the air down the field to the, to the pylon correctly to the pylon where the receiver is, where only the receiver can make the play against a Texas defender. That's draped on him. It is by far the just most ridiculous throw you'll watch probably all year. And like just watching him, you know, be creative, be tough. And I mean, there's what else is there to say? Like he is as advertised. And again, I think there's still obviously there's still improvements in structure. I think there's times where he's he gets a little frenetic with his feet and that leads to some low balls and at every level of the field. But again, you're not going to hit 100 percent. Nobody is. But I do think as long as he's, he's cleaning up stuff in structure where we talk about him. I imagine for a long, time, <laughs> a long time. So, Love it. And of course I you mentioned really Drake like may out of North Carolina. Yeah. Um, sophomore six, five, two twenty five. Phil still actually has him as the number one quarterback. Caleb Williams, number two. Then he's got Riley Leonard out of Duke at uh, six, four, two Oh nine. And then Quinn Ewers out of Texas at six, two, two Oh four. So you've, uh, looks like you got some big body, uh, quarterbacks there. And then of course you've got, Caleb Williams, he's just that X factor for sure. I think Ryan here in the chat actually asked a question here. 
And while we're on the quarterback subject, he says, looking at quarterback, how many legit prospects are there outside of Caleb and May? Just curious how loaded it's going to be if things go south for us. I mean, what I guess the best way to ask that question, Jake, how many if you had to if you had to put money on it right now, how many quarterbacks are getting drafted in the first round? Um, how many quarterbacks in the first round? I would probably lean four at this point. I'm just there's a lot of guys that are knocking on the door and a lot of guys who graded out extremely well last year. There's a few guys that I have my eye on. I love that Phil Steele has Riley Leonard at three. I think he is deserving of that spot. I think he is another guy that we're gonna be talking about as you know, this guy who just is a is a scholar playing the quarterback position, honestly. I think he's he's really advanced with his recognition skills right now. So I think he's somebody who's, I think, going to jump into that conversation. Uh, we'll see if that comes back to bite me in six months or not. Um, <laughs> at, otherwise, off of that, like yours is the one guy who like has the ceiling that pretty much nobody else has outside of the other two. But it just looks, it does not look good at times. Like he, I don't know if the shoulder bothered him after the Alabama game still when he came back. Uh, but like, there's just some bonehead stuff out there. And like he's got all the arm talent and, and arm strength and velocity, everything that you could ask for. But he, he just looks he looks like, you know, a, a steak that needs so much seasoning. You cooked it wrong and like you better just throw seasoning on there because it just uh, like it's not going to taste good if you don't right now. <laughs> like there is it's just it looks so off. Like there are times if you look at the Bama game before he gets hurt, they're just easy. 20 yard out routes outside the numbers that are just like, okay, this is, this looks way too easy for him to make this throw. But then you'll see him against like, I think it was like Iowa state where he's like getting hit still decides to throw the ball and it goes backwards 10 yards and it's a fumble. It's a live ball, like just things that you should not be doing. Um, So like, I, I, I keep going back and forth on yours because there's so much talent there, but like, it really looks like he should be staying another year. We'll see how it goes, though. I think yeah. Bo Nix from Oregon is interesting. He's made tremendous strides uh, at Oregon. Michael Penix from Washington is, again, another guy as precise as they come. Is he going to be, you know, he, he's still pretty big, big dude at 6'3", but, like, I don't know. that There might be some turnoffs there um, for teams. Uh, they, he might get some Tua comps, I'm sure, because he's a lefty. Yeah. Um, Right. <laughs> Pratt from Pratt, Michael Pratt from Tulane is, I think, the one guy from like not a main school that people should be looking at for sure. I know mm -hmm. Jordan Travis at Florida State. There are going to be plenty of eyes there, too. You're all and over I like, this, dude. Yeah, and I like, I like, there's a comment in here, too. Oh, yeah, you have it. Cam Ward. Yep. Yeah. Should be watching Pac 12 games for him for sure. Yeah. You're all over it, dude. Like everybody too. you just listed off was literally in order one through 10 through Phil Still. And Phil Still is much different than the consensus big board, which is really cool. Um, not much different, but, you know, a, a little bit of difference there for sure. Yeah. I know down here in Tennessee, everybody's crazy about Joe Milton. Um, it's just one of those guys that's got a cannon. He might have the best arm in the SEC as far as strength, but so. it just can't. he's not able to put it together, you know. Um, we've actually got a caller on the line here. We're going to go to Joe Milton's Jacob. Uncle Rico. Joe Milton's yeah. Uncle Rico. He can throw it over <laughs> the mountains for sure. That's for right. sure. We know that. Let's go to uh, Jacob in Wisconsin. Jacob, what's going on, buddy? What's up, brother? You hear me? Yeah, we got you, man. We got you. All right, good. good. Jake, number one, um, just uh, I've been 
I'm becoming a fan of you because uh, when we did that draft stream together, man, your time. insights are just like legit, bro. So I want to ask you a question. It's not a Packer question. So, Perfect. you know, pump the brakes here, Packer fans. But what do you think of the Lions draft? Oh. Specifically, Gibbs, Campbell, Laporta. Uh, I really do want to hear your, pros uh, your, your, your process of thinking because a lot of guys, a lot of, um, you know, NFL fans have said that this is a really bad draft kind of thing. And um, I, I, I know Clayton maybe has a different view of that, possibly, but I'd like to hear what you, uh, what you think. Uh, that's a really good question. That's that's the draft, right? That everybody wants to talk about. Yeah, that's that's really a really is. good. Oh man. Um after night one, it felt like I was just super out on the Lions. Um, <laughs> I just did not I did not quite understand the process, to be honest. I, I just felt like I don't know. The thing with Gibbs to me, it felt like okay, this is a player that you're going to need to dictate space for a lot. He's not the David Montgomery that they signed in free agency. He's not Jamal Williams who they let go. He is right. not that player. You're going to have to treat him like, I don't know, like kind of like a McCaffrey without the ability to hit like between the tackles 15 to 20 times a game. Like he is just a player that's again, got a great explosiveness, but like the role, it seems very, very short and defined unless you're going to throw him in the slot, but you already have a great slot receiver. So you don't like that. You don't, that, that's not something that's crossing your mind. Campbell to me felt strange. It just felt early. <laughs> like it's just like, okay, well for a team that could have walked out of the draft with Christian Gonzalez as one of their picks, uh, that's really tough to understand for a team. That's like still, making like, you know, one year signings at corner, to be honest. Like, I, I just didn't quite understand that passing on some of the top corners. Again, I like Laporta. I think that's totally fine. Is, is he going to be able to play in line? Mm, maybe he's, he's, small, he's smaller. Like he's not, he's 10 pounds lighter than the, the guys green Bay drafted. That's right. And, and he's always been a better receiver. Um, I love branch branch pick was awesome. It, it hurts to say that. Um, and, and Hendon Hooker's a weird one in the third round. Like it could be, you know, a Malik Willis thing, or, you know, it could be, I, I don't think it'll be a Russell Wilson thing necessarily, but like it, it was just very strange. I think they could have done a lot more. These yeah. players all could be good, but I think, you know, if you're the, if you're a Lions fan looking in like two years, I have this funny feeling that, you know, if, if they're in the playoffs and, and they're on the doorstep and they're sitting there in two years and they're like, man, we really can't stop anybody on the perimeter. <laughs> Man, that guy, Christian Gonzalez, would have been a nice guy to have on our team. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, we have a really, really good running back and a really good a nice linebacker. guy. Yeah, like yeah. I I was going to – Of course I, he falls right in Belichick's lap. Too, yeah, right? that's the other thing, right? Like Belichick got, got Christian Gonzalez, which is not a good thing for the rest of the league. I don't know. It just felt like the resources around one that should have been better utilized. Now, again – if they're good players, it's not going to matter. But I just got that strange feeling about passing on like corners and, and, you know, even some offensive line, if they really wanted to make sure everything was, was straight and fortified there, they could have done that as well. I just felt like if you look at round two only, it was solid draft. But if you look elsewhere, it just felt like resource management. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. Jacob, you got anything else, buddy? No, nah, man. You guys go ahead and do it. All right. Hey, we appreciate you calling in, brother. Yes, sir. All right. Take care. All right. Um, yes. So I was, you know, I was kind of, I wasn't so down on the Lions draft and this isn't a Lions podcast. We'll move on. Um, but the, <laughs> like it, it, but when you, when you see Jameer Gibbs, obviously they traded back. That was their guy, according to their general manager, which was on a podcast I was listening to the other day. I think it was with Peter Schrager. He said that, um, they got, there was only 14, I believe it was 14 first round talents is what they said. They drafted Jameer Gibbs. And then of course they said that Campbell was number 14 on their, on their board, according to them. Now take it with a grain of salt. You know, nobody's ever going to go, man, we just missed out on the last person on our <laughs> first round talent, you know, yeah. but it does seem like people are getting a little more open with sharing that information. So I don't know, man, it's, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out when you see the Jameer Gibbs pick though, it kind of makes me go, hold up. What are they going to do on offense? Are they trying to, what are they, you know, what are they up to is what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> Immediately. Yeah, that's, it's going to, that offense when, when Jamison Williams comes back mm-hmm. has the potential to be very dangerous. If, if Williams, you know, can stay healthy and doesn't yeah. gamble at team facilities, um, you know, that would be, that would be ideal for them. Um, but I, I do think they have a lot of good pieces on that offense. So they're, they're going to score. It's just, you know, is Campbell enough of an ad like branch to me was weird because also they have like, they drafted CJ there. They not drafted. Wow. They signed CJ Gardner Johnson. I know it's for a year kind of do the same type of things. So like, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of mold the safety room. If they're going to, you know, get more safeties on the field, if they're going to get a more dime, like, you know, the league is trending to, I don't, it doesn't seem like a Campbell thing that they would want right, to do is get all. lighter. That seems weird. So I don't know. <laughs> They're going to be an interesting team to watch, no doubt. Definitely, definitely. And just to, to backtrack a little bit, that was Big Mac that said that about I love Cam Ward uh, out of Washington State as a possible quarterback if the Packers ship goes south. Um, yeah, and, and again, he's uh, he's one that Jake had talked about as well. So Brent in the chat says the pack the pack goes eleven and six, eleven and six wins the North, calling it now. Hey, I'm all about it. Okay, okay. I'm all about it. Hey, and and if that's the case, then Jordan Love is the quarterback of the future. I, I think I would we would all feel very comfortable with that. Let's move on to offensive line because this is one yeah. that obviously a premier position that that left tackle spot. Who's going to step in when box steps away? Some people would say, hey, Zach Tom's best, uh, you know, best suited for it. Some people would say, man, Elton Jenkins at the price tag we've got him at would be a cheap left tackle and one that would be dependable. Um you know, when it comes to the draft, I gotta I gotta be honest with you, Jake. When I see Joe Alt there at the top of the list out of Notre Dame, I get excited because I'm an Irish fan. So um the the top three that I'm seeing as far as a consensus big board is Joe Alt out of Notre Dame. Um, I'm gonna screw this name up. I know you've got the Penn State guy. Is it Fashanu? I think it is. How you I believe so. All I right. believe it's Fashanu. And then you've got JC Latham out of Bama, which if I understood correctly, that's what the consensus big board is predicting for the Packers to pick right now. Of course, it's a long, long, long ways away. Um, how do you feel about offensive tackle? And, uh, you know, obviously the Packers are, you know, they're, they're, they're willing to take an offensive tackle in the first round. They've done it before with Bulaga and, and obviously Sherrod back in the day, we got yeah, that, yeah. that ended so horribly, but uh what do you think about offensive tackle if the if the Packers let's say Jordan Love is the guy let's let's throw out another hypothetical let's say we've seen enough out of Jordan Love we get somewhere around eight or nine wins we're like yeah this is the guy Bach doesn't want to restructure we need a left tackle who are you taking in this draft and, and who who are maybe the top three or five at the top of your list um so I will say 
that if it's the Packers, they're I just if they have the option, they're gonna take Fashadu. I just they're just he's I believe he's I believe he's twenty. Um, oh yeah, they're taking it. So <laughs> he's super young, uh, even for his like for his year. So like that's like he could have come out of the draft, you know, it this this past year if he wanted to, decides to go back, uh, finish the education part of his um part of his stay at Penn State. Like he could have been like in the Tremaine Edmonds territory of like how is this guy eligible type of thing where he's in year six and he's twenty five and you're going how is that how 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 is that a thing like that's but like when you watch him play tackle, I think you just watch a guy who clearly studies his butt off because I think there will be things where you look at and like watch him lose a couple reps here and there. It's it's pretty rare in pass protection uh, for him to lose reps. But I think when you when you watch Penn State go further and further through their season, you see a guy who is like, okay. So this was something I struggled with a little bit, right? He, he, I think, was where guys are getting underneath the pads and ripping through a little bit to kind of flatten their 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 angle of the quarterback a little bit more. I think you see him create more independent usage with his hands to kind of try to combat that. Try to, okay, I'm not going to go two-hand punch or even one hand and then grip you know, in the armpit, I'm going to make sure I'm kind of a little bit lower. I'm going to make sure I'm kind of sometimes, sometimes the patience isn't always a good thing. You want to strike first, but there's sometimes where he goes, okay, this player I know loves to win with power, loves to win with this type of move to get around the edge, not really around, but more flat in their angle. And he goes, okay, I need to be aware of that. I need to understand that. And even, even in the Ohio state game, there were, there were a couple plays where uh, JT, Tumaloa, I think is how they pronounce it on the broadcast. That might be incorrect. Uh, who is a guy we'll <laughs> probably talk about on edge, but like there are a couple reps where he'd lose reps there, but you'd see him be able to, as the game went on, go, okay, I'm facing him again. This is what he likes to do. I'm going to make sure I combat this. And I have great recovery skills, great core strength, you know, great technique, Im- impeccable balance to recover. There's times where he's off both feet and you think, wow, he's lost the rep. Nope. Core strength sink anchor like he can he he finds a way to to regain control and regain leverage at tackle and there's just when he is pass protecting it is we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so us cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five that's right a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Kind of like, I think, you know, for, for those maybe not into sports, it's just kind of like going to the opera and you go, this is just kind of like, I want to watch this. I want to listen to this. It's like, I want to watch Fashanu play tackle in pass protection. Now, Joe Alt, I think, is more well-rounded than, than Fashanu is right now. I think you you see that with a guy where, where Notre Dame obviously loves to pound the rock and, and Alt understands, okay, combo blocks, angles. I need to be, you know, here by this point in the play. Like, I have to get second level. I, I Either I'm leading on some of these toss plays. Like, he, I think, is a, obviously a really smart player. He's at Notre Dame. We know that. And I think Fashanu yeah. is as well. I think if you're going to ask yourself to be a team that's more well-rounded and demands stuff right now from a guy in a run-blocking perspective, you're taking alt first. Yes. But we know how the Packers operate. We've seen them operate this way. What is Zach Tom better at? Pass protection. What is John Runyon better at? Pass protection. Like, what? where was Bakhtiari at when he came out? Obviously, pass protection still really was a better pass protector than anything else and yep. still is. They just seem to gravitate toward these guys to go, okay, well, if my quarterback's scrambling around, and it's a bad habit to get into because of Rodgers, but if my quarterback needs extra time, who do I want up front there making sure that extra time is a reality? No. Feels like Fashada to me. Gotcha. Let's go to the phones here real quick. We've got Emilio on the line. Emilio, you, can you hear us, Bob? I got you, Clayton. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, we got you, man. How you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Sorry about the sorry about getting in late. Customer helped me up, but no worries. No, you're good, man. What's on your mind tonight, man? Um, so I mean, obviously we always talk Packers, but I do have a bunch of Bills friends. Um, Jake, I was just kind of thinking, man. So the you know the way they've been drafting, yeah, you know they they've hit on what. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, um, you know, they got <laughs> Dawson Knox, but it's like even even some of the ones that have, you know, turned out, you know, they have Gabe Davis, I guess. But besides that, it doesn't seem like even the, even some of the higher drafts they've had aren't even on the team anymore. Um, and I just kind of, you know, it, it's not that it's the best way, you know, how we draft and develop. But, well, you know, what's your thoughts on where they're heading, not keeping some of those successful players that maybe they did draft? Milio's looking for that's some firepower really to talk some smacks. Wow. He's yeah, that's really, good. that's really good. I like that. Um, wow, that's a good question. I think ultimately, I think the Bills, the, the one smart thing I think they did is they didn't overpay linebacker in free agency and didn't retain him. I think right. they have to, at least right now, where they're at, where the Bills are at, they have to be better in the trenches. Otherwise, teams are going to bully the crap out of them in the postseason like the Bengals did in that game. Like yeah. they once the Bengals took over in the trenches, that game was done. And Buffalo has kind of skidded by on like, OK, yeah, we're going to draft some of these flashy guys. You know, they, they love addressing the secondary and there's nothing wrong with that in the passing league. But like, you know, Ed Oliver's been fine for them. They're not getting a lot out of these young pass rushers when Von Miller's not there. Like they have to find something. And so nice. if that means we're not going to pay this linebacker, that's that's kind of, I think, one of the better casualties that they're going to let themselves have. I think they did as good of a job as they could have in this draft kind of reloading there. I think Doreen Williams is interesting. He's running around with his hair on fire. That's kind of how Edmonds played a lot of the time. So I think, you know, if he kind of becomes that type of player, that's fine. But they got him. They got Allen a weapon, which was nice. They got him more time with Torrance. 
it will be interesting to see if defensively, if they've got enough there, but I think their philosophy, at least going forward, has to be trenches. I don't know if they did enough. I'm not sure if, you know, drafting a tight end who's almost 24 was the best (laughs) call in the first. Uh, But if, again, but if he's like, you know, Kelsey Light, then it doesn't really matter. But I think they understand we have to protect Alan Moore. We have to, we're going to end up throwing the ball more anyway. So I think, you know, with letting some guys go, I think they're 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 being smart financially, at the very least. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, they, it seems like they've been kind of chasing outside in. You know, get getting getting skill, getting outside, and then you know, oh, if you know, if we get to it, we'll get to the middle. But yeah. you know, how long is Josh going to be there till we you know going to protect him? Good point. That is man. the question. Yes, the offensive line has to get better. Has good to. Good stuff, Emilio. We appreciate you Great calling question. in, brother. Appreciate you, fellas. Thank you, man. Have a good night. All right, we're going rapid fire here. Like I said, man, my, my guy was looking for some uh, some firepower to talk crap to the buddies. Yeah, the I, think fans. So. I love it. And also, I love the little love shade that. you threw. Some people didn't catch it, but you said, you know, overpaying for middle linebacker. They chose not to do that. We know someone who did, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even the after they had a nice undrafted linebacker do some good stuff for them, they still paid two more. Exactly. Hey, exactly. Do what you want to do, I guess. Yeah. All right, let's go to the phones here. We got Andy uh, in Kansas. Andy, how you doing tonight, both? Very good, thanks, Clayton. Hi, Jake. Hi. What's on your mind tonight, so, bro? Okay, so we have the extra high pick because of the Rogers trade. We don't exactly know for sure what round it's going to be in. Uh, how much of a difference is it going to make if it happens to end up being a second round versus a, another first round pick in this mm-hmm. draft? That varies from year to year, I know. What do you think, Jake? Well, mm-hmm. um. I'd love to be like, you know, I'd love to have the, the perfect answer for this uh, nine months out. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> um, I think what that's at least from how the consensus big board and everything is shaking out right now. If you look at what's there in the second round versus that, maybe that late first, I I do think there's a chance you're, you're potentially losing out on, the top safeties on the board, which is not a great, which is not a great deal um, for the Packers who need that. Like if you look at Cooper DeGene, who uh, I don't know what position he's going to play. I think it's probably safety. uh, When all that branch again, Jake, it sounds like, well, it kind of does. Yeah. That's the point. sounds like Daxton Hill. It does sound like all these guys Um, like Cameron Kinchins from Miami, who I really like as a ball Hawk. Like, I feel like those two guys right now, if, if Bullock from USC gets better, you know, Bullard from Georgia is getting some hype as well. Like there's a chance that the Packers lose out on, you know, a top safety or two uh, in this draft class. But I do feel like that's going to be a little bit better this time around than it has been, uh, at least in 2022 for sure. Uh, Miami's got a, actually a couple guys. James Williams is there as well. So that 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 might be what the Packers lose out on if they uh, go from like, say, I don't know, 25, 26 uh, to no, obviously being a later second. Got it. Good stuff. Andy, you got anything else, buddy? Interesting that you mentioned uh, safety because we really only have one example of Brian Goodkins drafting a safety in the first round. That's, and that's Savage, but we have him as a general manager, you know, scouting uh, guys who've already been in the league, Adrian Amos and Rudy Ford, who knows if, if Goody thinks of himself as a better uh, uh, scout 
of college safeties versus a scout of pro safeties, he might, you know, look at that value. I mean, differently, we can't read the man's mind, but I think a good consolation for us is look, if we get an extra first and Goody can make something happen, we think he can, because he has, if it tends falls into the second round, would any of us think that Goody can't make it work in a second round? I mean, the guy has been strong in both of those rounds. So I know my original question was, Hey, what about an extra first or extra second? I kind of like it in the end to say, you know what, maybe it won't matter uh, just because of what his, his record's been, I think pretty well in those rounds. Yeah. We, we entirely could be splitting hairs. (laughs) It's very possible that we were doing that. Um, It's a long ways out too. It is. It is. I will say, I will say that the one thing that I think you made a great point is, is, is some general managers do this. The best ones do this. They know, like, okay, what am I not? What have, what have me and my team? What have we not been good at at the collegiate level? And you mentioned that, and and maybe it is safety. And he's realized that, and he's doing what he can to, to kind of put together what he can on the back end with signing free agents, which is totally fine. Like, there's some. I'm I pulled up because you mentioned that. I pulled up, you know, what the free agent market might look like Um, next year at safety couple guys who signed some short-term deals that might be uh interesting for green bay obviously garner johnson's in detroit he's only there for a year would it be would it be something they'd look at would jordan white have be something they look at maybe it's tough all right andy we appreciate you brother you have a good night thank you you too all right Bye. Take care, pal. all right let's go to dakota in tennessee you're gonna love this, this accent jay he speaks cornbread like me what's up dakota? all right hey i always enjoy your introductions <laughs> How you doing tonight, Bob? Well, I'm doing all right. We're at, at uh, Nana's house, me and my son, enjoying her pool. But, right. uh, yeah, just because uh, I know there ain't a lot here and I like to talk. Um, or a lot of time here and I like to talk. Let me go ahead. So, <laughs> uh, I started really paying attention to football, of course, semi-recently, but it was really fantasy. It wasn't until last year that I started paying attention to things like, literally, I was looking up what routes receivers run and what they what they're called so i'm so new like i just recently kind of relearned what gaps were like a b and c you know simple stuff so i'm trying to look into what you know these receivers and or well not i'm sorry not just receivers what these players are doing after i figured out what they're called um so my question to you since this is college is there a concept you know through either offense or defense that's, you know, gaining ground in college that we might see start to gain ground in Ooh. the NFL. Ooh, I like it. Anything come to mind? Because, wow. you know, it's funny, it's funny you ask this question because, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, we're seeing this Fangio-style defense kind of, you know, run rampant in the league, and and it's something that Saban's used for the last – at least the last four or five years with his cover seven defense. And when you think kind of in that vein – what comes to mind, Jake? There's got to be something, right? Is there is there anything, or is it already here? Oh man, do I dare say what I came to mind first? Do it, do it. Something, just... something that would just, I think, blow the minds of the end. Because it, it, it's not even like giant in college yet, but there are some teams that have have dipped their toes in using two quarterbacks in a formation. No way, dude. And so, <laughs> so you know, having these athletes playing quarterback. I mean, it opens some up some possibilities behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, 
so you know maybe having two three quarterbacks in a couple of years might be a might be a good uh, good problem to have. Like, I, I don't know because because when you think about like how colleges can get away with longer developing RPOs because they're allowed to be downfield further, that's just something the NFL is never going to allow. Like <laughs> you're never going to catch you're never gonna be like oh yeah and you know what the alignment yeah we'll let them get down the field four yards it's like no they're not going to let that happen. So I have to be further outside the box. I think this is the only direction. <laughs> look at this chat. Look at this chat, Jake, right down here. Look at the, look at the bottom. What do you see there? Love, love and oh, Magoo. <laughs> I, I see it. I... <laughs> it's already off the rails. Love man. and um, who's the best? At, I mean, Love and Caleb Williams. Love maybe and Magoo just, in the backfield. I got to hit both. on with this real quick. It's unbelievable. Only you, Dakota, could spark a two-quarterback conversation here, man. And we're going get, to get into the wish. Look, it becomes the mind. <laughs> I like yeah. it, dude. I like it. That's what makes college fun, right, Jake? You never know it what makes, you're going to see, man. You, you never know. 18 <laughs> lateral play later, they're scoring. Who knows? There's just really just there's really no telling what you're going to see. The band is on the field the whole nine yards. I would say um, watch USC. Because I'm sure Lincoln Riley's got stuff up his sleeve this year. Oh my god, that dude—he's got so much swag. It ain't even funny. Yeah. Actually, and Sarkeesian at Texas, because they—they—they they have a lot going on. You know, running backs—they love to get them involved a ton. Like, yeah, I think if you're going to watch two teams, just watch some offensive innovation. I think those are the teams. Got it, Dakota. You got anything else, buddy? Uh, no, that's it. I want to. I'm thinking the Titans are the the close. They're close to home, and they're the ones with three quarterbacks that they might want to start so why not they're all wow. three of them in there malik will <laughs> malik Willis can run we know that yeah. yep oh man we don't we don't know if will ever can do anything but <laughs> he's a tough son of a gun who can run too i mean yeah, oh, yeah. get crazy with derrick henry and both of them <laughs> who knows hey dakota we appreciate you brother you have a good night yes sir appreciate you for hearing me out yeah man take care all right bye I love it, dude. Love it, love it. College ball, man. I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's fun. absolutely off the rails all the time. Yeah, <laughs> especially with this NIL stuff, man. It's like, what in the world? How is this going to play out, right? And I love how the, the NCAA keeps going back to our our government and going, "Hey, fix this," and they're going, "You fix it." <laughs> <laughs> but back to the offensive line. Somebody here in the chat. Let me find this chat real quick because this uh, this got me excited. Uh, let's see. I think it was Brent. Brent yeah, in the chat said. We should draft the center. I'm not sold on Myers. Now I'm going to tell you the name here. All right, and you tell oh, me what you think. I you bet. Go- I bet it's the name because I wanted this guy to declare last year. I'm sure it's the name. I don't know, man. Maybe I, it is. I, Maybe not. I personally Maybe. like Jagger. He's Jagger Burton from UK, right? Okay. Okay. Um, now the top three that I've got listed here is Zach Frazier out of West Virginia, right? And then we got uh, Cedric, uh, was it Cedric Van Pran, I think is who Phil Steele had out of Georgia. Um, Pran, maybe. And then, of course, Burton out of UK. Um, I'm a big Kentucky guy. So, uh, you know, what's crazy is you see two pipelines for the Packers there, right? You got Georgia and Kentucky, you know. Um, What do you think, man? If, if, let's say Myers isn't the guy, we finish this season and, hey, look, we we need to, we need to bring in the next center. Who's your top choice, man? Who comes to mind? Because one thing about center, they're probably going to be there when we pick, right? Yeah. Um, Not saying we would take I, them in the top five or anything. You know? I am excited to watch Frazier. 
I will say. I have not watched Frazier yet. But I'm excited to because he's he's gaining a lot of ground um, already. I will say that hearing Cedric Van Prant talk about the downing scheme last year uh, before the playoff and just like how how detailed his approach is to playing the sport makes me want that guy playing center for my football team. Like I just I know he, he and and I think the thing with Van Pran is he'll he's big dude he's big. Oh, we'll 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 do our best. We'll try to say it. We'll try to say <laughs> that at the end. Uh, we'll try that. Um, I'll have the I beat just, button ready. <laughs> I I just uh, I think. You know, at six four three ten is what he's listed right now. He may not be, he might not be six four. He might be like six three and a half. But when the measurements mm-hmm. come in, but like, just just watching how how well he understands where he needs to be, and 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 how well like he's got the offensive line in the correct protection when Bennett's changing the play, and like there are just things that when I watch him that I go like this guy just he's he understands everything that goes into playing center he understands and he'll tell you guaranteed he'll be like center is a premium position because you dictate so much for your teammates you know that that he'll just he's a player that i I, i'm gonna send everybody uh in packing the 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 interview i know where it is i have it bookmarked i just want to hear everybody just let him listen just listen listen to him talk about football and like tell me you don't want that guy in your team because I, I think the one knock on him will be like he's not like the Creed Humphrey level athlete that we've seen, the Linderbaum level athlete. He might not be like elite in that regard. But in terms of like understanding angles, understanding, you know, protections, understanding when he's got to pick guys up, you know, he, he'll do the little things. He'll play a little game of chess out there with some defensive linemen. Like he'll, he'll, he'll start jump setting one direction, knowing full well that he's coming back to a stunt that he's already seen like kind of the the little bread uh, breadcrumbs of that's going to occur. He'll come right back to it. Like there are just things that that he picks up on. His football intelligence is is off the charts. And nice. I I, I can't wait to watch another year of him play football at Georgia because Heck yeah, dude. And dude, Georgia's just I mean they are pumping them out. It's unbelievable. Um, it's tired of Georgia guys. I, I'm just wondering, are they like I can get I get it if you are, but like. <laughs> <laughs> they're really good. We're going to be talking about a Marius Mims. I'm sure a tackle by next, by next spring <laughs> guaranteed. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, I've got two questions before we wrap up. We're at the 56 minute mark. I don't want to keep you all night. I, I appreciate you hopping on with me, man. I know you're I mean, extremely busy. I mean, um, how long do first, you want to go? How, yeah, first, yeah. <laughs> do whatever. Well, like I always say, if I go over my limit, I got to go downstairs and save my okay. marriage. So I no, got to, you fair. know what I mean? There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two questions. Let's just okay. start with one. We don't have to go rapid fire. Um, who is the prospect that comes to mind? First thing that comes to mind when I say slam dunk can't miss this year, and, and it can be any position. Like, what's the? I, I want to rattle people off, but I don't want to steal any thunder. Um, what comes to mind, Jake? Slam dunk can't miss. Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers. That was that was mine. Those mine are the was, two. Yeah, mine was Marvin Harrison, but not Brock. Yeah, that's. Good I stuff. I think those are the two. I I don't. I I think by the time the draft comes around, I feel like Fashanu's going to be there 
with them. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as we see just a little bit more in terms of like angles and run blocking and just, you know, working on a little bit of that explosiveness moving laterally and, and also linearly. Like, I think, I think he's going to enter that conversation. I really wanted to say Cedric Van Pran again. I was about to say it. I really was, <laughs> um, honestly. Uh, but I That's do think right. I, oh yeah, no, I was, uh, Ryan, I thought about that as well. Yes. I as thought about it. Right I there. thought about it too. I thought about it too. Um, yeah. that Cooper jeans on that list. Yeah, that would absolutely. be, oh, yeah. man. Plays for hour, right? Am I thinking right? He does. He yeah. just, I have a, I, I think he's going to be an Amos Hyde type of player. Gotcha. Where he's just going to be like, man, I'm not surprised he made a splash play when we need a splash play. Whoever, whoever drafts him. But I do think like Marvin Harrison, and I think a lot of people have correctly pointed out that the game for him looks a lot like how AJ Green played the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Green was never like ridiculously dynamic. Right. When you talk about him, he just he 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 understood releases. He understood how to get leverage. He understood that he can, you know, great body control can go win the football like he, he knew how to position himself. Well, like that's just all the things that Marvin Harrison Jr. makes look easy. Uh, and and an added bonus is like his dad is one of the best route runners of all time. So he's probably going to have <laughs> he's going to be probably pretty keyed in on 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 how to attack every sort oh, of, you know, it. every sort of alignment that a corner is going to be in. He's yep. seen it. He's watched his dad play against it. So he's going to have that uh, in the bag as well. And he definitely shows that as well. So I, I think X receiver, put him on the boundary. He's going to be able to handle himself against top corners. Like I'm not concerned about him really at all. Uh, he yeah. could not play this year and that's fine. I think he can Harrison pull the Jamar was- chase. He can pull the Jamar Chase thing and say, I'm sitting out. I'll be like, yep, no, you're fine. You're good. You're going top 10. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Harrison was the one that came to mind for me. Now, you mentioned Brock Bowers. Um, That's obviously the top tight end in the draft coming out of Georgia. Let me ask you this, and then we'll get to the final question, I promise. Okay. Um, Brock Bowers, how would he have stacked up against this tight end class that just came out? Would he be the the best tight end in this class, or do you think – you know, second, third. How do you feel like? He, and, and I know he can come out this year and, and completely leapfrog frog him, obviously. But what comes to mind there? How how good do you think Brock Bowers is? I don't. I don't think he's quite. I, I know this guy wasn't last year. I don't think he's quite Kyle Pitts. Not quite. But he's also faster than Kyle Pitts is. Is he really? Is oh, 6'4", yes. I am. Yeah. I am. I've been told. Um, by a guy who uh, is very, um, very connected to Georgia that Brock Bowers will in fact run in the low four fours and it would not shock him if Brock Bowers ran just a hair under four, four in a 40. Really? Um, Yes. He said it would not shock him one bit. Uh, The dude's just, he, when he's gliding, he's gliding out there Um, and he's not going to be, and this is where I struggle with like it was he best in last year's class, probably. Um, but he also doesn't have like some of the you know intangibles that you're gonna want your or the tangibles, I should say, that you're gonna want in a wide tight end because he's just not big enough to be like you know the guy who's gonna put his hand in the dirt, attach himself to the line all the time. Like he, he's just not gonna be that. He's he's 230, he's not he's not very big, but he's I think going to at least listen, he went to Georgia. Right, he's playing at Georgia now. I know he understands that 
when they're even in two tight end sets, I know he's playing with Darnell Washington. He still has to stick his nose in and, and you know, play old school, hard nose football. And I think he will do that. And he has, he has shown it at times. He has, it's not as consistent, but like, <laughs> good luck. Good luck covering him uh, when he's, you know, running deep crossers up the seam. Like I hand eye coordination with him. Like he, I tip drills are going to be tip drills look like no problem for him. I know he had that kind of lucky one against Florida where it's just kind of like, you know, he kind of turned around the ball was there, but like it still right. takes a lot of, a lot of coordination, a lot of skill to, to kind of track these things in. But I just don't think like there's not going to be much that phases him. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be in an offense with two tight ends, I mean, an F move tight end by the name of Brock Bowers in your offense is going to be absolutely dangerous. Yes. Uh, with whoever you pair him with. Like, just can you just um, humor me for a second here? Just imagine like Kittle and Bowers playing together in a Shanahan oh, offense. Stop it. Stop it. Stop <laughs> like, just imagine those two are playing with each other. Yeah. I, I fear for every, every, um, every team in the league if something like that happened but like he is yeah. he's going to be the consummate like f move tight end and just yeah i know he might he might run that fast and it's going to be hard to keep him outside the top 10 12 picks even as a smaller player hard. even as a smaller player i just don't think we're gonna be talking so much about him this year yeah is it draft might... season yet dude yeah always it always, <laughs> always is always, draft always season. Is. love it always, always. all right final question National championship. Obviously, we get the playoff system, all that. Down here, being in the in SEC country, I mean, it, it sounds like I'm living in the trailer park here in Alabama and Georgia fans argue back and forth. Like, that's all I hear is Alabama and Georgia fans constantly arguing about who's going to win the national title. I, it seems like anyone I have ever, you know, taken any, uh, I don't know, put any trust in their opinion when it comes to college football or saying Georgia's, Georgia's just going to win it again. Fine bombs talking about it. Everybody throughout here, is that is that kind of how you're seeing it too? Is Georgia just so loaded with Kirby Smart that that they're just going to run away with it again? Or if not, who would you put the money on? Um, as long as they get competent quarterback play, they're probably not losing a game again. Um, I just don't. I don't think like offensive line wise, they're literally reloading at a pace that we just don't see very often. Um, yeah. Even, and I know it's. I'm not trying to disrespect the Joe Moore award-winning Michigan offensive line. Like they're tremendous, but you watched them go up against Georgia in the playoff two years ago. Yeah. They look outclassed. Um, It's going to take a near heroic performance offensively to beat them. Ohio state was that close. You're going to have to have a team like that who has firepower and is tough and is tough as nails to play against them. I wish Ohio State's offense and Michigan's defense could mold into a single team because that team will beat Georgia, no question about it. Uh, but we don't get that luxury. So I think if any team's going to 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 win it, if it's not Georgia, oh man. There's just questions everywhere. Like it, it wouldn't shock me if we see like Florida State and Texas and maybe even Washington in the playoff with Georgia, which is just kind of nutty to think about. And I don't think any of those teams have a chance. <laughs> I and none of them have a chance. Like, I'm sorry. Like Washington, come on. You can't, they're never gonna be able to, they're gonna get 
run out of the building. And like it's Texas, crazy, Texas is just way too much of a finesse football team right now. Like they're the, going to be the finesse. Oh, we can run through the Big Twelve because we can score, and we're like bit faster than all of you and like more talented than you. <laughs> Georgia might treat them like TCU as well. Um, so like, if anybody's going to do it, I do think it's going to be Michigan. I have to, I have to go there. I just think they're tough enough. Uh, if McCarthy plays better, uh, if he can raise the ceiling and be, you know, if we're talking about him as a top 10 player by December in the draft, then Michigan has a chance. If we're not, I don't, I just don't think anybody's going to beat him. I don't, I just don't see it. And as far as Georgia, the, the projected starting quarterback, is it Carson Beck? Am I thinking right? I think so. Yeah. I think so. so. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I you, you, Like you said, that – I mean, that's – quarterback's important. It is, you know? Yeah. And DJ Key just said go blue, so we know who he's, <laughs> he's I, for. I, They should, in theory, be in the in the playoff. I The only the only team who can I, – I don't think Ohio State's going to playoff this year. I think Penn State is the one team that maybe – might just run roughshod. Um, maybe that's the team. Um, they have a, they have a bunch of dudes on that team that are probably going to be next two drafts, very early selected. So I think you just have to be tough, right? And and Clayton, you know that you have to be tough playing against Georgia, Bama, all these guys. Like they're not going to give you an inch. Um, and so like the big if a Big Ten team that can score is the best chance, I think. And Penn State, maybe they're the sleeper. Maybe they're the sleeper. Yeah, that would be awesome to see some of those older – you know, growing up in the 90s, those you're you're rattling off all the teams that were great. You know, Penn State was just a powerhouse. And um, it'd be fun to see kind of that stuff come full circle because, you know, again, I grew up being a Kentucky fan. I pulled for Notre Dame because of the ties to to Green Bay, obviously, and their history is is very intertwined. But, you know, being in the middle of the SEC – I would say 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, I would hear people gloat about the SEC and I go, shut up. They ain't that good. Now I'm going, God, they're so dominant. <laughs> so it's unbelievable. Yeah. I can no longer say that to these people. I can't. So yeah, it's there. anyway, anything I mean, heck, else you might be good. Yeah. Well, hey, LSU you can never might be real good. So like Brian yeah. Kelly got that new accent, man. He's ready to roll. Yeah, right. Like they, he's... <laughs> they, might, they might really have something this year too. So that, that LSU Florida state game. Circle yeah, oh, it yeah. early. Circle yes. it early. Losers might be done. Yep. So we agree. Completely agree. All right, man. Anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here, man? We're we're way over time. I really appreciate you uh, just hanging yeah. out. This is awesome. Of course. Um, anything else? I had – so we talked about D-tackles. I will say, you're watching Newton. Watch Keith Randolph from Illinois as well because I think that might be the top duo uh, in college football, defensive tackle this year. Um, they're both really, really good. Uh, I know that Newton's got has garnered the favor of PFF and fairly so. I mean, he's obviously 55 pressures speak for themselves, but I mean, Randolph, who's a bigger dude, he had 28 of them um, yeah. last year as well. So, I mean, he's, he's very much, you know, right in that mix of, of guys who could take the leap. So I think those two are, if you're watching big 10, might as well turn on Illinois and watch two defensive tackles dominate, at least from a Packers perspective. I mean, yeah. And, and you, you just listen off the interior defensive lineman like that. You know, we obviously talked about Newton, and then you just said Randolph. Newton is number two on Phil Steele's list. Randolph's number 13. But you just mentioned LSU. LSU got Mason Smith 
and Mecky Wingo three and four. Like they are stout up front. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. The, yeah. We it, it looks I mean, it honestly looks like the defense, the interior defensive line could be uh pretty strong in this coming draft for sure. It so. definitely could be. There are a lot of names, and I'm sure they're on Phil Steele's list because obviously he's got he's got it, you know, ahead of time all figured out, like he knows what's going on. So like yeah. there's gonna be a lot of them, but got it. Well, oh, man, also I, also, watch Michigan running backs. That's all I'm going to say for Packers Michigan fans. running backs. Watch both Michigan running backs, both. Not just Corum. Watch Donovan Edwards. Holy Edwards Edwards, and Dylan might be the future if if, if Aaron Jones uh, doesn't stick around past 23. Harbaugh, man, that dog, dude. He, he always figures it out, doesn't he? They've got dudes up there. Sure. <laughs> got, all right. I've got plenty. All right, bro. We're going to let you go. We appreciate your time, man. Um, you're awesome. Guys, like you said, he's going to be getting cranked up here real soon. It's always draft season podcast here on the Packernet Podcast Network. It's Jake Shavink. Follow him on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Let the guys know real quick. Uh, at Jake NFL Draft. Very easy to find. Yeah. And it's always – it's no BS. It's all it's, – it, there's always substance to anything he talks about. Dude knows his stuff. I've learned so much just following you, man. And I'm I'm excited about picking your brain this college football season for sure. Maybe I don't know. Maybe occasionally we can hop on a Friday night or something and uh and do a little preview for the upcoming week. That'd be yeah. Great. Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right, sounds good. All right, that's Jake Shavink from the uh, It's Always Draft Season podcast. Really appreciate your time, bro. We're gonna get out of here. Thank you to everyone in the chat. Too many to mention. Thanks to everyone who called in. Um, like I said, I know I'm going to leave somebody out if I start rattling off names. We really appreciate everybody's time. This was a fun episode. It's a good little good little mix-up and just kind of look ahead to the draft and a little college football preview through the eyes of a Packers fans. So appreciate everybody's time. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go. For Jordan Love. 37. Here he is throwing in the middle. It's caught by Watson. He's got great speed. Turning the corner. Christian Watson down the sideline. And he will score. Whoa. Hang on. Love to Watson. To a one-score game. This one is the stunner. You basically feel like all right, this Eagles team sort of has this thing under control. And then Christian Watson hits the Jets again. Six touchdowns now in the last three games. He is really something. When he gets in the open field and running, that was some throw by Jordan Love, too.